there are two passages among the many passages that I would direct you to on the subject. This is a different kind of subject sermon this morning. It's but I would direct you to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, and Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. They'll be on the screen in just a minute, but I encourage you to go there. Joshua 1, 8, Psalm 1, I mean, so Joshua 1, 8, and Psalm 1. Joel Beakey, in his foreword to a really helpful book on the subject I'm going to preach to you this morning, this book called God's Battle Plan for our minds, he, he writes an introduction or forward saying, Some, imagine being invited to a private dinner hosted by a friend who was a chef at a five-star restaurant. This person is renowned at cooking meals that are nutritious, healthy, delightful, and absolutely satisfying, and you can't wait to get there. Finally, it comes for the moment you come into his front door, you're embraced by tantalizing aromas. It is amazing, and you're hungry, and the host seats you. The colors and arrangements of the food look delicious. It's a feast to the eyes, and you know it's going to be a feast to the palate and to the stomach. Your friend thoughtfully chose all of your favorite foods, and just as you sink your fork into the first bite and raise It up to your lips, your phone chirps like a cuckoo clock gone mad. A strident voice is on the line, it's your boss, and you have to leave, and you know you're not going to eat a bite of what's before you. With a rumbling stomach and a tight smile, you make excuses, you head to the door, you saw the food, you smelled the food. You never chewed it, you didn't digest it, and you didn't benefit from it. That's the Christian life without meditation. All over the world, people go to hear preaching. You do, every Sunday. Hear preaching of the word on the Lord's Day. Those who are serious about spiritual growth will spend regular time, daily time, reading this book, God's Word. However, though they hear and read the Bible, too often we do not chew or digest it. Before our time in the Word is done, the world is calling, and we rush off to the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And as a result... Though we can perhaps say something about what the Word says, we've often not enjoyed the Word by the power of the Holy Spirit, nor incorporated it into our lives, and we have not meditated on Scriptures. On the other hand, there are other Christians who bloom wherever they are planted, if life gives them lemons, they make lemonade. They are buoyed by the po- they're not buoyed by the power of just positive thinking, though tender-hearted and compassionate, they have backbones of steel and their courage is amazing when they must stand up for their beliefs. What's their secret? They have learned to draw from the wells of salvation. 
They live near the stream of life where they delight in the law of the Lord and on his law. They meditate day and night. Christian meditation. I labeled it the neglected habit that will may or can change your life this year and for the rest of your life. I want to call it I want to call you to a practice of godliness. It's a duty and it's a habit and yet it is a calling of delight. Joshua 1:8 As God's people are going into the promised land to a very very busy leader, Joshua, who would lead the people of God, God instructs him this way and I believe he instructs all Christians to apply this to our lives. He says this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Literally, you are to not let it stop coming from your lips. You should always, it should be on your lips at all times, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written therein, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Not one person here would want the opposite of that last sentence for 2024. We would all say, I want this year to be prosperous and have good success. And if through spiritual lenses, we'd even say, I want it spiritually prosperous and spiritually successful because we know that sometimes that does not equate the same as what looks out in appearances. Psalm 1. Psalm 1 begins the Psalter, the book of Psalms, with this way. Blessed, oh the blessedness of the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Let me apply it in our day. He does not stand filling his mind with social media or videos or games or this world's music, or whatever it is, not saying all of those don't have a potentially good or valuable place in our lives to some degree, an enjoyment for the glory of God, but they do not find that the place where they get their counsel or their way, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, he meditates day and night. Why? And what's the result? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and whatever he does, he prospers. Now, because I have so much to say, I'm gonna just read some references. I would encourage you to read Psalm 77 and see the benefit of meditation from discouragement to trust. Or read Psalm 119, the longest psalm, in the, which is all about meditation on God's word. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day long. He says, I have more understanding than my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation, the psalmist says. You remember what Paul says in Romans, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. James instructs us in James 1, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, he looks intently and continues in it, 
not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I want to call you as a church, I want to call myself to the habit, the duty, the joy, the art, the calling of met of something very important, what I'm going to call Christian meditation. I want to call you to a daily practice of exercising your mind to meditate on God and his truth with God's help regarding what you read in this book, what you experience in your life, and the sermons you hear here or on the radio or or on a podcast. And I I come to you not as an expert. I am so not advanced in this art, this calling, and I want to to grow in this. I'm ashamed that I've been a Christian for as long as I have and a pastor as long as I have, and I have not made this the daily practice. Oh, I read my Bible almost probably every day, at least some point. And I study God's word, and in so doing, at times I find myself meditating, but I've been convicted about a year. It's been, this, is, this has been percolating in my mind this last year on meditation. And the, the missing reality in many Christians' lives. I could model to you the discipline of daily running or jogging, but I wish I could model to you Rich meditation, Christian meditation. So three, I'm just going to ask, answer three questions this morning. What is it? Why should we do it? And how should we do it? Or how would be, how can I help you, direct you towards it? What is it? It's not to be mistaken for ideas of Eastern meditation. This is not transcendental meditation in which I will sit cross-legged, with my hands or my fingers like this and empty my mind of all thoughts, that's not what this is. I'm not saying there isn't any health towards doing certain things. Now, we have to be really careful when it comes down to Easter meditation, but I'm not making commentary on that. That's not what I'm talking about when I say Christian meditation. Instead, it, it... Nor is it taking some mantra and repeating it over and over again. Here's a definition. I like what Don Whitney says in his book on on disciplines. Meditation is deep thinking on the truths and spiritual realities revealed in Scripture or upon life from a scriptural, biblical perspective For this purpose of understanding, applying, and prayer. Okay? So it is deep thinking on spiritual realities. I don't care if you get that definition perfect. I just want you to be thinking on deep thinking on truths from God's word, God himself, Christ, eternity, the things in the sermon, ways we apply the ways of God. And looking at the experiences of our life from a scriptural perspective for the purpose of my understanding growing, applying what I understand, and prayer. J.I. Packer, one of my favorite books, Knowing God, says it this way. Meditation is the activity of the mind. There's the mind again. 
It's not an emptying of the mind. It's the exercising of the mind on truth. Meditation is the activity of calling to mind, thinking over, dwelling on, and applying to oneself the various things one knows about the works and ways and purposes and promises of God. It's saying, I'm going to get up and I want, I want to think, mull over, call to mind, dwell on the purposes of God, the promises of God, the truths of God in this book and through the experiences that are happening in my life. It's, he says this, it's an activity of holy thought, consciously performed, and we do it in the presence of God, under the eye of God, by the help of God, as a way of communing with God. Another one said, an old Puritan writes, meditation is a serious, solemn considering of heavenly things for the end in which we could understand how much this word concerns us, that our hearts will be affected and raised towards a love and resolutions to do what God wants us to do. Meditation, Thomas Watson says, is the soul's retiring. It goes away. Like Jesus went away on the mountain to pray. I no doubt thought he med- believe he meditated when he was in the wilderness and when he would go away to pray. It is the retiring of the soul that by serious and solemn thinking upon God, our hearts would be raised to heavenly affection. So think about meditation when you think of the definition is I want to go to God's word and God's truth and I want to think. I'm going to start with my mind. I want to think. I want it to go to my head. I want to take in thoughts to my mind so that my heart, head, my heart would be affected, meaning my affections, my feelings. Like not only do I believe that, I love this. Not only is it great a truth that God is my shield. God is my shield. He's going to protect me. I love that. Oh, I feel so secure. And okay, if God is my shield, the third is my hands, my practice. Now, God, what does this truth that I'm meditating on mean for how I need to live? Well, if you're my shield, and I'm going to a Genesis 15, 1, Abraham, you're, I am your shield. We just Meditate on that truth. How do I apply that? I should not fear. I need to, I need to obey God no matter what because he's going to be my shield. I'm going to obey him even if it might hurt, even if people will mock me, even if it costs. He's my shield. If he's my shield, I don't need any other protection. He is my shield. To meditate, as one person illustrates it, it is, think of it this way. To meditate is imagine the Word of God, the Bible, or truths about the Bible, is a tea bag, and your mind is a cup of water. Reading may, dabble, may bring the tea bag into the water. Hearing a sermon might be bringing that into the water once again. And hearing the scriptures read on the radio or on your player might do it again, but meditation is taking that tea bag and saturating it in the hot water and keeping it there until all of it comes out so it turns color and flas flavor. So does meditation in God's word with the purpose of coloring us 
and bringing a life and a flavor to us. Meditation is coming to the word to be warmed. I have a fireplace, and if I just if I'm cold and I walk by and see that fireplace, I might walk by that fireplace, and I might immediately. But if I'm chilled, I might walk by and go, "Oh, that's a nice warmth feeling." But unless I linger at the fire, I will not get warmed. I might feel the warmth for just a second, but will not get warmed. So with the word of God, we must come in meditation to linger over, to be warmed by the fire of meditation. For many of us, we hear sermons, we read verses, or we listen to them, and they come rushing over us like a parched garden that's doused with a fire hose, but is not adequately saturated into the soil, and so it is not truly watered. We get wet, but not in the necessary way. Meditation is the attention to the soil in the mind to be saturated with God's truth. It is like taking food and chewing on it and swallowing it and digesting it so that it will give us health. And I, I pray that we would grab hold of God's word and think, think of it this way. Think, I've heard it this way. Think of a hand. We, four fingers, we hear God's word, we read God's word, we study God's word, and we memorize God's word. And those are great, But I can't get a grip on God's word unless that thumb is meditate on God's word. And so the Puritans, they they love to talk about and to apply this and call their churches and Christians to meditate on God's word. And there was two kinds of meditation. One is occasional meditation and the other is set and deliberate. I'm just gonna mention those two. We should, I think we should have these categories to do both. Occasional meditation is what you do when things come in your life, circumstances and daily experiences in which you spiritualize a truth based on having been in God's word. And so, for instance, Last couple weeks, for a week, I was looking for my wallet. I could not find my wallet. I looked everywhere for my wallet. I was praying. I was asking others to pray. It was, it was a pain. Thankfully, nothing was taken out of my accounts. I was checking my bank account. I was looking. I was looking and looking and praying. I was saying, God, please help me to think rightly about it. And when I found my wallet, I, immediately, I, I was thinking on this sermon. I was like, okay, God, I want your word to take the experiences of my life, even the ones that are irritating and frustrating, and drive my mind toward meditation of truth. And my mind came to Luke chapter 15, when the widow sweeps the house looking for a coin, and she says, I found it. When she finds it, she goes and gathers everybody, and she says, rejoice, I found it. And so is true when God rejoices, the angels rejoice when people are saved. And I was like, God, please help me to long to search for the right things in my life. It's taking occasions in our lives and saying, I'm going to use this experience, going to the eye doctor, boy, I'm so thankful that I have sight, but I need aid for sight. God, I need your sight. That's occasional meditation. It's walking and seeing the sun and go, man, you're so beautiful. The Psalms do that. They, they take things in this world, experiences, and they meditate on it. That, we should do that. But what I want to talk to you about is set or deliberate meditation. It's, it's what we do when we have our devotions on a daily basis. It is, it is taking time every day to meditate on the Bible. So the question would be, why should we? I want to give you some reasons why we should do this. Why we should do this. I, the number, our legion, in which we could say, but I, you, I, want, I want to summarize it with five words. 
we should do this for obedience sake, relationship sake, promises, prayer, and others. That's that came to me. I want I want to do it because I want to be obedient. Okay, we should obey. We should meditate in obedience to God's word. How can we take this passage when God tells Joshua? but you shall meditate day and night. I can't say, well, that's for somebody really busy and a leader. I don't need to do that. Well, we all need to do that. All of us need this. Psalm 119.9 says, when I say obedience, the scriptures say we, must, we should meditate. We need to meditate, Joshua 1.8. And it commends meditating. And it says meditating is vital to actually obeying God's word. And obeying God's word is absolutely essential to the life of a Christian. He says, now meditate on God's word so that you may be careful to do all according to what is written. So I think obedience, meaning we need to meditate because God tells us to do it, and we need to do it so that we can obey. It helps us obey. It helps us to say, I want to be really careful now, today, what has God commanded me to do? As we get into the the practicing this, I want to apply it in just a few minutes. The psalmist says, how can a man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to his word. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So we need to obedience for obedience sake. Another reason for relationship. Consider that God has written us a book, a letter, a message to us. How do you do with that? It, it, this letter, this letter that's written to, by God to his people reveals to us what he, he commands of us and who he is, his ways, his promises, his covenant. It reveals to us himself. And he has called us to love him with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind. Thomas Watson said, The end why God has given us his word, written and preached, is not only to know it, but that we should meditate on it. The scripture is a love letter, and we must not run over it in haste, but meditate on it. When I received letters in my engagement period with Molly, I did not get that letter that I cherished and go, oh, that's interesting, and just skim it and throw it to the side. I read it, and I read it, and reread it. I was like, is there any hidden meaning here? Oh, does she still love me? She still loves me. Yes. Is there any doubt? Could it be? No, she still loves me. I, I went to, I meditated on something because it, it was from a tr- valued person, someone who I treasured. Think about this. I just, I commend you this year to grow your relationship with our glorious God who calls you to love him with all your heart by meditating on his word. And, and thirdly, because of all the promises, the promises are staggering in God's word. And how will we not, how will we understand them to then apply them to our lives in such a way that they're not just a cliche? God works all things together for good. Yes, it does. And I want to just enjoy that to, to the fullest degree 
And it's not from just saying those truths, it's letting it soak into the fabric of both my mind and my heart and start to work them out in my lives. These promises that He's given to us. Consider Psalm 1. Blessed, oh the blessedness of the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, who stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers." Tim Keller says it this way. He says, this passage, at the very least, says to those that are in God's word brings that meditate on it, it brings you stability. Do you want to be a stable Christian? There's enough Christians out there that are not stable. I want to be like a tree. I grew up with trees all over in the north woods of Wisconsin, and we had oaks. Those were strong and solid, glorious trees. And we had the little poplar trees. And those little popular trees would come and they would go. And you knew that. You could push them down by a four-wheeler. They, could, they would just, obviously the huge ones didn't, but even those didn't last very long and they were soft wood and it wasn't worth anything. I want to be an oak, not a poplar. I want you to be an oak that grows strong and stable and will endure years and years. And it says here that he who is by the word is like a tree planted by water, the water of God's word, that in season, sometimes it doesn't feel fruitful, but in the right season, you will bear fruit. And in bearing fruit, you will have substance. You're not like the chaff that the wind just drives away. Oh, we have enough Christians that are just cliche Christians. They're shallow Christians. They're Christians in name only. But there's a substance that comes to those that meditate on God's word. They're fruitful and they're not like chaff that is worthless. Our world needs ambassadors for Jesus that are in this room that will be on the chat rooms when you're playing games on Discord or whatever it is and at school and at work and in your neighborhood and wherever it is. We need ambassadors who have so saturated our minds and hearts by God's grace in His Word that we might be a blessing. Oh, the promises of God's Word bringing stability and substance and blessedness. When He says, oh, the blessedness of those who are meditating on God's Word that as an idea of wholeness, of true peace, true fulfillment, what true success is, what you were made for, you cannot be apart from being in God's word. Fourthly, prayer. I don't have to argue with you that we need to pray. Psalm 1 is the beginning of the prayer book of the Bible, and it doesn't start with a prayer. God, the, the way the Psalms were arranged were on purpose. God, I think, instrumented the way they arranged it, and they said, okay, Psalm 1 fits at the beginning because we need to meditate on God's Word day and night in order to guide us to our prayers properly. And the Psalms, and we're going to be there in a couple weeks again, Psalm 41, the Psalms are often the work of a prayer meditating. Meditation takes God's Word with God's Spirit and leads us to pray 
with more faithfulness, joy, and effectiveness. As Manton said, the word feedeth meditation, and meditation feeds prayer. Meditation must follow hearing and preceding prayer. When we are taken by the word, we digest by meditation, and we let out by prayer. And so our meditation will guide us towards more faithful, fruitful, energized prayer. Number five, others. Lastly, others. You and I need to, and I hope we want to be a blessing to people in our lives. I do. I want to be a blessing to you. I want to be a blessing to my children. I want you to be a blessing to each other. God's called you to be fruitful, to minister to one another. And I ask that you'd pray for me and for the preachers in this church, that we would, we would pray and preach and meditate on God's word, and our preaching would be a fruit of rich, deep, meditating on God's word life. No one can exempt himself from this duty unless, as John Ball, a Puritan, says, unless... His purpose is to be unprofitable to others. Then, don't meditate. If you don't want to be comfortable to yourself, don't meditate. If you want to be disobedient to God, don't meditate. There are many more things we could say. How do we do it? I I ate too much of Molly's food through the years that I was gaining a lot of weight, and I realized I needed to start to do something to keep active, and years ago, I started a habit of running, and I'm one of those weird people that like running. Uh, I didn't like running when I started. I hated running when I started. My back hurt. My body hurt. I didn't like any part of it. I didn't like it, but I wanted to like it because I knew it would be good for me. I started small, and I pushed through the pain. Daily, it hurt. It was sore afterwards. But I saw ahead and said, I want the fruit of it. Each day, it got, not every day, but day, through the weeks, it got better. Then it was great, then because of the benefits. And I do it daily. I don't have to make a decision. Am I going to run or not? I'm going to do it. I've made a commitment towards that. And how much more should we do? And I use that as an analogy as you think towards meditation. God calls me to do it. There are so many reasons why I should do it. Oh, God, help me to do it. I need to do it. Now, how am I going to do it? It's going to hurt. It's going to be difficult. So here's some questions. When should I meditate and how long? The passage says day and night, both Joshua 1 and Psalm 1. I would say at least daily, but I would say getting into the habit of going going to bed, thinking on the things of God and what has happened through the lenses of Scripture, getting up and starting in God's Word. Or maybe if you're a night person, it just works better that way. Some are that way, being in God's Word at night. But meditating, for me, I need to start in the morning, and I want to learn to do both better. How long? Start out small. Uh, the answer has been for as long as it takes for it to be a blessing to, to you. And maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe start with five minutes and 10 minutes. Now watch out for the obstacles. Satan would hate for you 
to learn Christian meditation. The distractions abound. He, he does not want to distract you from reading the news or scrolling through social media or doing something else, but he does want to distract you from being in God's word. This phone can be a blessing and it can be a massive distraction. Put it away when you're meditating. I don't recommend using it for meditation. Maybe some of you are good at that without it, but it's, it is a problem often the case. Failure in the past could be an obstacle. I tried that, pastor. It didn't work. Or I failed, so I just don't want to be a failure again, so I'm not going to do that. Don't let that be an obstacle. Your lack of a desire for the things of God will be an obstacle. You'll wake up and go, I just don't want to. I just don't really care this morning. That's why you need to. George Mueller, who lived and started so many orphanages in the 1800s, was a massively productive Christian and pastor. And someone said to Pastor Mueller, what is your secret in life? And he says, I've learned over time that I must get up early and I must be in God's word and I must stay and meditate over God's word until my heart is happy in God. Because if I am not happy in God, meaning dwelling on his promises, letting his truth saturate my heart and what he is, who he is and what he's done for me, I will not be the prophet I can be to other people. And so I must do that. But far too often we'll get up and go, I just don't feel it. Meditation is a difficult word. It is opposed by the distractive spirit of our age. All of us, because of phones, probably would say, man, I got an ADHD in me. Again, one Puritan says, by nature, we shun holy meditation. To, to meditate on secular things, even if it were for all day, we can do it. But to have our thoughts fixed on God, how hard do we find it? How do we, our hearts quarrel with this duty? Satan does what he can to hinder this duty. He is the enemy of meditation. The devil cares not how much we hear, but he cares about how much we will meditate. So where will you do it? Uh, go find a place that you'll be least distracted. I have a comfortable place with a notebook and a Bible. Sometimes I'll do it at bed. Sometimes I'll, I'll do it while I'm going to sleep. Sometimes I'll take a walk. But the most profitable place is a place where I can not have the distractions of other people, including digital devices, chiming and providing notifications to distract me. Okay, finally, steps to meditate. Here are some steps. Number one, read and pray. I encourage all of you to come up with some plan of regular Bible reading every day this year. We have a Bible reading plan for you to read through the Bible. It's out there on one of the desks or one of the tables. You take one of these. We'll have more next week, but I encourage you to take one of these. That would be one way to do it. It could be that you, right now I'm doing it, just a few chapters in the Old Testament and one chapter in the New Testament every morning. I have two bookmarks, my ribbons and my Bible, and I'll read them. So I'll read and I'll pray. And I'll pray, what I mean by that is I, oh, I lift my eyes up to God asking for a blessing. God, I look up to you right now. I'm going to read your word. Would you open my eyes that I may behold 
wonderful things out of your law. That's a prayer from Psalm 119. God, would you please show me something? Show me your word and I'll read. Number two, so read and pray. Number two, select a truth for meditation. Something that will apply to your life. You might be going, man, I'm going through this, this terrible situation and I'm scared all the time. I know I need to meditate on the commands that he says to not fear. So that'd be one thing that you're just gonna go to. But it could be that as you're reading, you're reading, and I'm reading through the Old Testament right now. I'm in Genesis. The other day I came to Genesis 15. Right away, it just stood out to me. God said to Abraham, fear not, Abram. I am your shield, your reward will be very great. Just I wrote that down in a journal and I spent about 20 minutes just going word by word through this. I selected a passage. Select something. Here's some of my selections over the last weeks. The serpent said in Genesis 3, you shall not surely die when he lied to Eve. And I spent time thinking, man, that's what Satan does all the time. He just wants to say, there's no consequences to sin. Oh, soul, watch out. Don't listen to those lies. Genesis 15, I just mentioned, fear not, Abraham, I'm your shield. Genesis 18, is anything too hard for the Lord? Boy, that's something to dwell on for 30, 40 minutes or on your commute to work. Matthew 3, 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Take scripture and find a phrase, find a verse, find a promise, find a quality of God and say, I'm gonna sit there and I'm going to let that go through my mind and I'm gonna think deeply on that. Now, no, do this with sermons as well. We're going to regularly have a box down at the bottom like we do here. And as you listen to a sermon, go, man, I want to write that down because that's something I need to meditate on. That's something that is good, is true. But boy, if it just warms me for five seconds, it won't have the value. I want it to, I want to let it seep into my soul. I'm going to write it down. It might be a reference. It might be a phrase. It might be a truth about God or a promise about God or a principle or a way or a warning. It would be better for you to hear one sermon a month and meditate on the truth than 20 sermons and run and those just leave your memory. Don't, only don't listen to just one sermon a month. Please come four times a week, four times a month at least. Um, so he, here's the practice. Now, so read God's word and pray. Find a, find a passage to meditate. Now, select a method to aid you. I'm going to just give you a few methods. I already kind of referred to them already. I kind of applied them already. Learn to ask proper questions, okay? So when we meditate on Scripture, I hope that you learn from Wednesday nights in our teaching, on Sunday school and Sunday mornings, and in the sermons, that God's word is to be applied in context. What does God's word say, and what does it mean that the author meant it to mean, and how does this apply to me today? 
having Christ come and saved me. What does that mean? And so we should always ask these questions. We should not spiritualize a verse and read it and go and, and make it to mean something it didn't mean. And it, We're not into saying, my truth is something, whatever I want it to be. There is only one truth. It's God's truth. And so we want to understand that. So, but learn to ask questions. What did the author intend by this phrase? Who was involved in it? How does it relate to the whole Bible? And go through that verse, like I mentioned, fear not, Abraham or Abram. I'm your shield, your reward is great. And go through verse, word by word, fear not. If God says fear not, I really don't need to fear. Others can, that are, there's no one stronger than God and he tells me not to fear. There's nobody more in control of the universe than God. I don't need to fear. He said, Abram, he knew his name Does God know my name? He knows the names of the stars. He knows every hair on my head. He knows me. He knows my name. I can think on him. God, you told me, you you give these promises of fearing not over and over again. This is not a one-time use of fear not only to Abraham. I see it all over scripture. So I can apply this too, not to fear. And you know me by name. I'm your shield. I've already said something about that. If God is my shield, what does that mean? Your reward shall be very great. What did Abraham do to deserve this reward? He didn't do anything. It was all by God's grace. He believed his promises. God, you have a reward that is very great. There is, I live seeking human and temporal rewards. Am I seeking your reward? Select a method, something like that. Just slowly work through. I always find it helpful to take some type of notebook. This is a bigger one, and write it out, and then just start journaling with it, writing words, associations with it. That's that's helpful to me. And as you grow to do this, you you learn more skill. It, it's like a muscle meditation and memorization. The more you use it, the better you'll get. Write that verse down and write it in your own words. Think about other passages that relate to it. Ask questions about it. Examine yourself by that verse. Ask what it, this verse teaches about God and what it promises you. And then memorize the phrase or passage if it's small enough so that you can take it with you in that day. Write it on a notepad and bring it with you throughout the week. I'm, I'm thankful that there are I'm thankful for God working faithfully through people. I had Dorothy Mundy is a meditator on God's word. She's done that for years. She usually picks a phrase or a thought of truth about God, and she uses that for the year's meditation. Might be this year, the God's faithfulness for the next steps of my life. What does God have for me? And she spends her year, looking through the lenses of God's words through that. Maybe do that. The last thing I'd say to it is finish your time by applying and praying. Ask God how this passage should change the way my thinking is, my loving, my living. Ask yourself if there's something you need to do right away. Is there anything I need to resolve to change in my life? Is there somebody I need to reach out to and talk to and say, God convicted me of this. Will you pray for me for this? Let this passage help you to pray then for yourself. So if I've been meditating on fear not, Abram, I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. 
I can finish my time saying, oh God, please help those that are fearing. Help, help my family and name my family. Help those in the church that struggle with fear. Help those that struggle with knowing that you're a protecting God. Will you protect them and show them your protecting ways? God, you're a reward to those who trust in you. And your reward is so great. Show them that you are the rewarder of those who seek him. Use this time to guide your direct content of prayer and taking prayer to, for people and praying for yourself to believe and know this. Let me conclude with a few thoughts. Meditation is necessary to keep our hearts anchored to spiritual truth and have true stability in a shaking world. Our world is rocking with wickedness and folly. And oh, how we need our minds anchored to this truth. Former generations viewed meditation as a godly person's greatest need, especially during trial and pain. A Christian enters into meditation as a man enters into a hospital that he might be healed. Meditation heals the soul of its deadness and earthiness. And as one person writes, just as there would be no true healing from a surgeon into the hospital, or uh, I should say, there would be no truly healing from a surgery without serious commitment to physical rest. There is no spiritual healing without a commitment to meditation. Little meditating makes lean Christians of little life, little strength, little growth, of little usefulness to others. And Satan is content that we would just be hearing and praying Christians. So as long as that we're not meditating Christians, he can stand our small shot provided that you do not put in the bullet. May I end with this? There is no greater truth the greatest things that we can meditate is on Christ, his promises, and what he has done for us. If you're here this morning and you do not know personally this God, Jesus Christ is the ruler of the world. Meditate on that. He is the king and he has come to set up his kingdom through the preaching of this gospel he is the Son of God who lived a perfect life and His death on the cross and resurrection is the answer we're looking for for all our questions. The questions of how can I truly have peace? How can I ha actually be relieved of my sin, my shame, my guilt, my failure, my not matching up to what I need to be? How can I find what life is all about? It comes in the person of Jesus Christ who took our sins and declared us sinners, but now righteous because of what he did for us. And he unites us to God, our Father, so that we are his children. He has given us his word we are people that are now his ambassadors. We live for him and we share him. And oh, we must be like what John said to the church when he says, young men, you overcome the evil one because the word of God abides in you. The word of Christ abides in you. Oh, may that be true for us at faith. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would make it our business to make Christ and the scriptures, our, our own hearts, and even Satan's attack, things that we meditate on and that we seek you with all our heart. Oh God, may the words of our heart 
the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Please help me. I, I pray that you'd help Faith Church, all of the leaders and members, and pray for my kids. Pray for those watching or later. Pray, God, that you put in us a fire not just to hear sermons, not just to read the Bible, but to put away lesser things that capture our hearts, whether it be on our phone or on our computer or on our TV or wherever else it is. And we would be careful to meditate. We would love to meditate. Your word would be our delight. In Jesus' name, amen.